I'm Brett Chang. And I'm Jay Rosenthal, and this is your Peak Daily for Wednesday, March 23rd, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance, and tech, all in less than seven minutes. Brett, speaking of tech, business, and even a little bit of finance, the New York Times this week, the story is Toronto, the quietly booming tech town. Quietly is kind of an insult, don't you think? Well, you know what really is an insult, Jay? I was interviewed for the article and left out of it. And so that's an insult. No, it was a good piece in, in the New York Times about Toronto's burgeoning tech scene. I wouldn't say it's burgeoning. I think it, it's out there, it exists, and it's pretty exciting. Do you like the piece? I did. You know I'm very pro-Toronto. I'm here by choice, not by birth. And I do love Toronto, love Canada. And I did like the piece because I think there's tons of hype about Austin and Miami specifically, but this story shows that Toronto is outgrowing both of them on the tech scene. I complain quite a bit about Toronto's tech scene, but then you're right that when I compare what's going on here to other cities, especially in the US, it's day and night. At least there are opportunities here and there are a number of big and and fast growing companies in the space, whereas in lots of other places in the US, it just doesn't exist. Now, the, you're, like I, I will say, the energy seems to be in the Austin and Miami areas, but there's some energy here too. You know, we, we talk about it all the time on on the Peak Daily. We do, and I love it. And I hope more outlets in the U.S. focus on Toronto because I think it's good for business. Uh, Brett, aside from the New York Times focusing on our backyard, what do we have for Peak Pals today? For our first story, uh oh, Okta. For our second story, Just Do It, and for our third story, New Alliance. For our first story, Okta, a user authentication company that's used by organizations including Sonos, Peloton, and the American Federal Communications Commission, is investigating an alleged breach by a hacker collective known as Lapsus. Make sure you put the dollar sign on the end of that or they'll come after you. And cybersecurity experts are telling Reuters that the threat is serious and Okta customers should be, quote, very vigilant right now. Brett, this sounds pretty scary. What are hackers up to now? Yeah, this is the scariest stuff because what is Okta? You know, just like with Cloudflare, like it's, it's, we don't even know what it is, and so it must be bad. So Lapsus, dollar sign, I'm not going to say the dollar sign, but Lapsus posted screenshots online to its Telegram channel of what they claimed were Okta's internal systems, including its Slack channels and its Cloudflare security interface that are potentially tied to a cyber incident that hit the company this past January. The Lapsus has emphasized their goal is, the quote is, our goal is money. News of the breach comes amid heightened fears around potential cyber attacks from Russia. President Joe Biden issued a warning on Monday to American business leaders telling them to strengthen their cyber defenses immediately. Now, Lapsus has been on a tear in recent months, claiming responsibility for high-profile attacks of major companies like NVIDIA, Samsung, and Microsoft, which have resulted in leaks of proprietary data and source codes. I just like the fact that a very, very old president is telling us to strengthen our cybersecurity defenses right now. And here's why you should care, Brett, aside from the fact that Joe Biden is telling you to. What happens when the identity provider for the Internet gets hacked? Okta, Okta, we're going to pronounce it Okta, hopes we don't find out. With 15,000 customers representing hundreds of millions of users, if their services are disrupted, it's not just one set of passwords and data for one company that's being compromised like we are about a lot. It's literally thousands that could result in one of the biggest data leaks of all time. Yeah, and to stress this, this is the application that you use to put in your data to log into these services. It's a big deal if they hacked all of it. And by targeting Okta, Lapsus is taking cybersecurity threats to a new level that could be potentially very damaging. 
For our second story, Nike's quarterly results tied up its laces and sprinted past analysts' expectations in Q3, which is a win not just for the company, but for the viability of the direct-to-consumer, the D2C model it has created. So Jay, what's up with Nike and why are they doing so well? More importantly, what are we running from? I don't know, but Nike announced, Nike, Nike, I'm going to pronounce it Nike. Just kidding. Nike announced yesterday that their global sales rose 5% to almost $11 billion, propelled by the DTC sales model devised by Nike CEO, John Donahoe, cutting down on other retailers and favoring its own stores and website to target consumers directly. Revenue in its direct business grew 17% and made up a whopping 42% of total sales. That's what they say in Britain, Nike. Nike continues to lap competitors and expectations by appealing directly to consumers through robust customization options, top of mind brand positioning, and betting on itself even as sales of athletic wear decrease through the pandemic. And to add insult to injury to Adidas specifically, Nike's also doing e-commerce better than just about anyone else, expecting to do 50% of its total sales through its e-commerce channels by sometime this year. Nike has a robust membership platform and a collection of retail and workout apps that are highly focused on individual users, with Michael Benetti, managing director of Credit Suisse, likening them to, quote, a vending machine of the product that is most likely to sell to you. Brett, aside from awesome shoes and sneakers, why should people pay attention to Nike's success? I do run in Nikes, so I'm a fan. Nike represents both the present and the future of the athletics business and could provide the blueprint for retailers in the future, a highly personalized, very online, data-heavy D2C model that cuts out the middleman and empowers both the seller and the buyer. I wish we did publish a video so they could, the Peak Pals could have seen you holding up your Nikes proudly. And for our final story, the federal NDP party struck a deal with the governing liberal party that would see the liberals remain in power until 2025 in exchange for progress in a number of NDP priorities, including farmer care and a dental care program. Brett, not to get political, but what's happening in Ottawa? That's right. We don't get political on the peak daily, Jay. Now, so much like the Beatles, the liberals can only get by with a little help from their friends. You get it? Uh, They were elected in 2019 with a minority government and depend on support from the other parties to remain in power. Uh, This agreement will let them breathe a little easier for the next three years without having to worry about losing confidence votes, aka key votes on important things that trigger an election if the government loses them. The NDP, who have never formed a government at the national level, see the deal as a chance to advance some of the priorities they've advocated for but been unable to implement. Now, for their part, interim conservative leader Candace Bergen was less thrilled with the arrangement, calling it, quote, nothing more than a callous attempt by Trudeau to hold on to power. I got a noise for Zoom out, but I don't have a noise for Zoom in. So I'll just say to Zoom in, NDP leader Jagmeet Singh highlighted pharmacare and dental care as two areas that will see progress as a result of the deal. And according to the prime minister's office, the dental care program would cover dental procedures for families with an annual income of less than $90,000 a year and eliminate all fees for those making less than $70,000 a year. Children up to 12 will be covered this year with everyone else included by 2025. Now, other policies in the deal include a ban on employers in federally regulated industries using replacement workers during labor strikes and expanding election day to three days of in-person voting. That's exciting. Uh, Okay, so Jay, what's next for this political alliance? This feels less like when you borrow money from the bank and more like when you borrow money from a friend. Your buddy might be mad if you don't pay them back, but legally, there's not much they can do about it. Likewise, just because the NDP and liberals have a deal on paper doesn't mean the policies written down will actually happen. And Jagmeet Singh has already warned that, quote, if the liberals fall short of what we've agreed to, this deal doesn't continue. 
And all eyes will be on the federal government's April budget, which will need to include funding to implement some of these policies like dental care to keep the deal on track. What are the odds that this deal actually lasts till 2025, Jay? What do you think? I think it's pretty good, judging from the reaction from the conservative party. I think it's good, regardless of if they actually get this stuff done or not. I just feel like it's uh, it's of convenience. Peak Pals, thanks for making us the most listened to. And only. Daily Canadian business news podcast in the country. If you've got a second, why not follow this podcast on your app of choice and leave us a review. And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. As always, thanks to Dale Richardson and 306 Media Productions for putting together this episode. Thank you, Dale. And thank you, Brett. And Brett, the one thing the New York Times didn't mention in their story was the role that nationalized healthcare actually plays in attracting talent to Canada. I'd like to see that story written. That's a good point. You know what would help even more? What? Dental care. Yeah, don't hold your breath. <laughs> Have a good day, Brett. You too, Jay.